I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we're talking about generations in the workplace, uh, some generational transitions. Here with me is Director of Talent Acquisition, Chris Bouchard, or as I like to call him, Booch. Booch, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do here. So I am the director of talent here over the talent division at Lutz, where we place candidates with clients, as well as internally here in our firm in the niche areas of accounting finance, human resources office administration. We also put consultants and temporaries out for companies here in Omaha. We have a team of 10. And the talent division has been part of Lutz for seven years. I've been personally with Lutz for about two and a half years. My background... Southwest Iowa boy, went to Northwest Missouri State, came out of college, went to work for Walmart in their management training program, moved around six, six times, five times with them in about six years, mm-hmm. worked in another retailer for a while, and then got into the search staffing business, been in it for about 15 and a half years now. So seasoned, as you said. Yeah, so HR compliance, if we're going to talk this way, you're either lightly seasoned, seasoned, or you get spicy as you get, <laughs> as you get more, further into your career. Yeah. More experienced. <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't call you old, Booch. You know, I, I consider myself seasoned. Yeah, right. And we are fortunate enough to be, you're actually my mentor here, which yeah. is great. So we've gotten to know each other pretty well. And I'm fortunate enough to have you as my mentee. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, that's it's case. been very good. Yeah, no. So I think we're lucky that, you know, we share a lot of interests and it's nice because our conversations are always very raw and honest, and I think that's helpful, especially from a younger generation or a less seasoned generation. You know, when asking for insight from someone like you, it's it's important for me to feel like I'm getting real information, right? I mean, I don't know. I can't tell you how many times I've in different jobs, maybe not as not as long of a career as you, but in different jobs where I've been, it's kind of a you get canned responses about the reality of your career or your company or, you know, just general topics. And so I appreciate your, your honesty and willingness to communicate with me. Well, because I'm seasoned, Jack, I can tell you from all my experiences of falling on my face <laughs> to help you not fall on your face. So, yes. Absolutely. Well, so our topic today is generations in the workplace, which I think is really important. I don't necessarily think being strategic with each individual you run into and depending on what their generation is communicating differently. I think it's really just generally being willing to think about and hopefully understand where people have come from and what their experiences have been and how those differ from yours. Because I'm sure in your first position with Walmart, there had to be some generational differences, right? Yeah. I mean, when I was a trainee, I'll never forget my second day on the job. I was tasked with going and firing like three 20-year individuals in the company for... That's brutal. Yeah, it was crazy. And that was like my third day on the job as a trainee. So what a learning experience and had to do that in the most tactful way I could. And I'm sure they were looking at me like, you're a very young individual. Who are you? And right. Why are you doing this? A young individual. You said that very politely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's what they were thinking. Very lightly seasoned. <laughs> yeah, very lightly seasoned. Yeah. I'm sure they were thinking that among other things. Yes, I'm sure they were. So and that's got to be a difficult thing. I know this isn't necessarily related to specifically generational topics, but I can't imagine that you know your first 
few days or first experience trying to, because when you're in that role, because so it's, it's fun, because when I lived out in Denver, I was an operations manager in the railroad. I was more worried about trying to get people to like me. I can't imagine having to fire someone or let them go that soon in that realm. I mean, that's crazy to me. It was crazy. But to your point, I think communication and learning each other and how to deal with each individual and their personalities is the key to any communication. I don't care the generations. Right. And I I don't think people really care what you know until they know how much you care and Mm -hmm. genuine people can communicate with each other. And it's just figuring out what makes each person genuine and how, what drives them and motivates them to communicate with them. Well, and see that, so that brings up an interesting question then because uh, you hear so much about, and I think there's some truth to it on a macro level, right? If we were to talk about management styles with different generations on a macro level, I'm sure you could break down trends, right? When you communicate, let's just take different applicants that you communicate with. I'm sure that you notice different trends or strategies with different age groups or generations of applicants, right? Yeah. And we go through that every day. And, you know, being in this industry for 15 years, I can tell you how it changes like no other. I mean, we're coming up with the new generation term Gen Zers and they are quick. They're efficient. A lot of people like the millennials or the, even the generations before that have really good two or three or five friends. Sure. Gen Zers have 50 good friends. And they don't pick up the phone and call them to have a conversation. They do a chat with all 50 of them at once. (laughs) And that's how we have to communicate with these candidates now when they're applying. And they don't have much time. They have five minutes to fill out an application where somebody else, you know, generations ago would have filled out a detailed application and taken an hour to do it right. Right. They don't take the time. So, I mean, it's changes in that. So you got to learn how to communicate and get your message quicker to people. Right. In the Gen Zers or even millennials than you did back in the baby boomers. Sure. So it, it, it's changing continually. But again, as a macro, mm-hmm. that is how it's done. But there are still individuals within each one of those generations that are, I think it's more about your upbringing. Right. And how your parents were and how they brought you up and the sure. expectations and how they communicated. People learn from that. Right. And that's how they're brought up, like yourself. Right. You know, I always say uh, you're, you're probably a lot like your dad. Right. Hardworking, <laughs> do whatever it takes, no excuses, communicate, be ethical, be a straight shooter, and you get further in life. And a lot of it's your upbringing. On the other side of the macro level, the micro level, it's it totally depends on the person. And just like you're saying, I sometimes have considered myself an old soul. I... I was listening to, like, like, the music I was listening to the other day. Someone was like, what are you listening to? I'm like, are you kidding me? This is great, man. This rocks, right? So that's totally different. You must have been listening to the 80s. I mean, yeah, something. I'm sure. No, it was, uh, I have the song on my phone. It's a classic. It's totally a song that my mom would have listened to while I was in the car in preschool. One thing leads to another. You oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that song oh, by no. The Fix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and anyways, but, yeah, it's... I'm sure in your profession, you've got to be able to distinguish the difference between the two. But what are there are there examples or situations where you've seen a potential employer maybe turn down an applicant because they didn't like how quickly they filled out an application or something they think as something they they see that is like, oh, that's an absolute no go. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. There's so much more to this applicant than that. This may be just a generational difference. Yeah, I mean, you could say that. I think I don't like applications from a hiring perspective. I don't like resumes from a hiring perspective because it's a piece of paper or it's a view on a computer screen. 
and nobody actually gets to know who the person is. Right. And I, I truly think it's somebody's success rate in their career or just in general, you got to know who they are as a person, mm-hmm. you know, how much they care, you know, how they speak, how much energy they have. And people get eliminated by a piece of paper. So like our talent group doesn't like to present candidates via resume. I'll get on the phone and talk to a client or better face to face and say, mm-hmm. here's why you need to meet this candidate. Here's the things I like about them. Here's their personality. Here's what they want to do in five years. Here's the top five things they're looking for. It mirrors up to what you told me you're looking for. And then if they agree to meet them, then they get the resume. Or, so it, we How don't frequently present. are they okay with that, with, with taking that first step instead of just seeing the resume first? We coach them on it up front that that's how we work because right. we know it's the right way. Right. And I, I know numerous people that send their resume to 10 different companies and they get an automatic reply saying, thank you, but no thank you. Mm-hmm. And it's because somebody's screening them that's told, unless you see these 10 things on a resume, I don't want to see them. Right. So they never even get their foot. And it could have been the best employee they've ever had. Right. But they didn't have X. They never used this software. Right. But they're probably one of the best employees that they passed on because they had no idea who they are. As a person. Sure. And I think as a career person, I don't like to talk jobs. Right. We had jobs when we were younger and it pays the bills. And a career is long-lasting success, happiness. And the only way you're going to figure that out, we're true believers that culture is 60 to 70% of it. Mm-hmm. Your skill set is the other part. Right. Because if you're the right cultural fit, they can teach you, they can train you, and they can develop you. Right. Sure. Well, and, you know, thinking about it from the career perspective, that takes some patience, right? So when we talk about generations maybe being impatient mm-hmm. or, you know, do you, okay, do you think it is actually that they, I guess my age or even younger, don't have time to fill out an application or they're just impatient and are very in this different world of quick, quick feedback. So we'll, we'll talk macro. Yeah. Right. So let's do that. The, the, the term millennial, mm-hmm. it's had some bad rap to it because it's supposedly these. And then they fought back and right. gave Boomer a bad rap. Right. Right. So, <laughs> so the millennial is supposedly super impatient. Uh-huh. They want to cor- climb the corporate ladder within three years or they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. They just have zero patience. And unfortunately that's wrong to give everybody that stereotype in that age group. Right. Because there are people not like that. They're willing to go in and learn and absorb and take on more and understand if I do the right things, I'm going to get where I want to go. It's just, it's odd like that. And the this is the generation Zers coming in. Which is? It's the age group that's basically from 90, born after 96. Got it. To where we are today. Got it. And it's what's out there in college right now My for brother. the most part. Yeah. And I have what I call it. Uh, Cusper, he's kind of on that borderline, and he's completely what they say a Generation Z is. He's fast, he has 500 friends, and he chats with them on one chat on the phone and hits them all. This this is a son or an applicant? This is my son, my youngest one. Okay. And then my other one is a a true millennial, Right. and he fits some of those. Dad, I don't understand. I've been here for a year and a half. I haven't been promoted yet. Right, right, right. Because I was born in 94, so I'm technically a millennial, right? You're almost a cusper, though. You might have okay. a little Gen Z in you, too. Sure. But, but they're stereotypes, and I, I don't like that because not everybody fits that. It's the majority. Agreed. But what's up and coming is just the Zers, which everybody's trying to learn about, quick response. they got to fill out an app. They better be able to do it on their cell phone in five minutes, or right. they're not going to do it. But they also were raised by during the recession, their parents. Okay. So they're a little bit more 
stable. They want right. longevity and stability. I've noticed that too, a little bit more of caution in terms of, there's a statistic, I don't know what the statistic is, but I've heard that we are not, per- we're not getting married as early. We're not purchasing homes as soon. We're not leaving our parents' homes as soon either. Right. And it's like, those things are all like, you can flip those either way you want, positive or negative. But a piece of that is exactly what you're saying, a little bit of caution probably from being raised in the recession. Big time. And they're, they want to know about a 401k and they want to know their track history once they get hired because they plan on being there a long time. Right. And they also take feedback. They want feedback all the time on how they're doing to be We've successful. also been told since we were born that Social Security won't be there when you're dead. Correct. So take care of it now. It won't be there when you're alive. I'm sorry, when you're retiring. It won't be there when you're dead either. Yeah, when I'm dead, nothing's going to yeah. matter. No. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it's, it is kind of unique to see that and being in the industry as long as I have, how to how those different age groups Right. But again, that's a macro on those, and mm-hmm. there are individuals that are completely different within, within there, too, based on their upbringing. Well, and when you talk macro level, too, I mean, that's I feel like we're fortunate in the size of company that we are, that we can give each individual the attention necessary to really get to know them, right? But then you talk about, like, for instance, like I, when I you know worked for the railroad out in Denver— huge company i'm sure there's you know you can't really go through all the applicants without having a screening session or the ability to screen them screen them first so part of it's just getting through that first door if you want to go into that Mm -hmm. world of large big macro but i'm glad i've i've landed where i have well and if you think about why you are here at lutz Mm -hmm. and, and it's because of your communication it's because you impressed somebody else that was friends of the family, mm-hmm. allowed you to get your foot in the door. And they also knew what your parents were like. Right. So they know your upbringing and how you were raised, and you're going to be that type of person when you grow up. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of things behind it. You know, right. it's, it's, it's definitely not a science, right. but the people aspect of getting to know each other and learning what the person's like can tell you a ton. And the companies and the people that don't take time to do that, mm-hmm. it's really a crapshoot. Right. Absolutely. Well, and it's the way that you just, you know, mentioned that it's a lot more than just an application here for how we hire people. It's same, same thing with how we either bring on new clients or new clients come to us based on, you know, word of mouth and relationships and people that they trust that trust us and say, Hey, you know, that's, and those are the best clients we have. Yep. Right. People from, from your past. Yep. Right. I'm sure. So yeah, it's, uh, that's an interesting thing. Now, I guess one thing as far as generations go, a topic or a thought that I think is really important, something that's happening currently is kind of a transition from the current, you know, 50 to 65 age range. I mean, those are individuals. Mid-seasoned. Getting, mid-seasoned, yeah. Right. Maybe getting a little <laughs> heavy on the seasoning. But they're, they're getting ready to retire. Yep. I mean, that's kind of got to be... How, as someone that is young in your career, how can you convey the confidence and the things that that those individuals of that generation are looking for to think, yeah, you know, we're we're in good hands, that when we retire, this place is going to be fine. Right. I sense that as kind of a, a big, you know, reason of anxiety for those those individuals. Yeah, I think if we talk just as a company, mm-hmm. the seasoned people. Mm-hmm that are good leaders are continually training and developing the people underneath them. Mm-hmm. So you've got people at different stages in their career and the firm and the employee should see that. And if they're really taking it to heart and doing it for the right reason, they're going to know, 
you know, here we have you know, titles or titles, but there's, you know, you could be a, a staff, then a manager, then a director, then a, a partner, you know. Right. People can see that progression of the teaching and training at all those levels, and you can see how a person can climb. Right. And that way they know the firm's in good hands. You know, when, I, when I'm a seasoned person that came in here, which I'm one of the few that was hired to let's as a seasoned individual. Sure. And, you know, right out of the gate, you know, my job is to help grow and develop the people on our team. Mm-hmm. And then knowing that I'm not going to be here for 20 years, get the next person ready to go. Right. So when you do retire, you've taken it this far, they're ready to take it to the next level. Sure. So, I mean, that's the right companies doing that continually. And I think a young individual coming in or a lightly seasoned right. can see that path. Right. And it's real and it's genuine. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, and it's from both directions too, right? It's, it's got to be, you know, up, up, up top or however you want to flatten out the structure of power, whatever up top needs to be willing to train and teach and have patience right. and, and also maybe work a little bit differently when training and teaching to understand some of the generational differences and from the bottom, you know, the same. Right. And, and I've had to change so I, I think we as LUTs or good companies have a lot of true servant leaders mm-hmm. that walk the walk, wouldn't ask somebody to do something they won't do. Right. And That's see, a big one. Yeah, and, and see the value of the people underneath them. Right. And find out what that person wants to do and then help them get there. That's unique. Mm-hmm. And me being mid-seasoned again, I was brought up, my dad worked 70 hours a week. Right. And you never left until your job was done. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing was take care of your family. So, of course, when I grew up, my first job, whatever, I'll work 60, 65 hours a week, six, seven days a week. Today's generation doesn't want to do that or a lot of the, the newer generations. And I've had to learn to work with that and cope with that where, hey, just because you did that right. doesn't mean they have to do that. Sure. You know, they're more efficient in technology than you ever were. Right. They can get more done in a 40-hour period that maybe takes me 50 hours. Maybe. Yeah. Sometimes. But also, there's <laughs> they've learned to enjoy life where right. there's a work-life balance that's a quality that will probably make them live longer and mm-hmm. not have as many heart attacks. Well, that's like, part of yeah. it, right? I mean, so it's taken me a while to understand that and realize that that. People are built a lot different, and it doesn't matter if you work 55 hours a week or 40, they can be super successful. You know, and also today, the more work-life balance, it's a can term, and uh-huh. it means something different to everybody. When I when I think of work-life balance, you know, work-life balance to me is I'll work 60 hours a week, get my job done, as long right. as I have that flexibility to go to a kid's event or, or go get the few hairs left on my head cut when I need a haircut or, or something. <laughs> good, to, to me, that's work-life balance. Right. And to maybe some of the newer generations, work-life balances, I don't want to be here from 8 to 5. I'll work my 40 hours. But after that, I want to go home. I want to be involved in my fitness. Right. I want to go out with my friends. And I come back more, I guess, energized to do my job better the next day. So it's learning to work with each individual and see how those times change and mm-hmm. be open-minded to do that. Right. Not easy to do when you're no. built a certain way. Right. Well, and it's it's along that idea of, you know, you changing the way you look at it or the way, you, you know, you work with individuals or different generations, et cetera. You know, my dad is very similar in the sense he's, you know, kind of a hard ass in certain ways. I mean, he's like, hey, this is how you do it and go do it. And I don't want to hear about it. Just get it done because that's what you do. Right. Right. That, yeah. that way of thinking. And so when I was 
right after college when I was kind of, you know, I was figuring out what I wanted to do with my career and I had made the decision that I didn't want to do what I was doing with the company I was doing it for. When I came to that conclusion, I was having a conversation with him and he, you know, he chewed my ass. He's like, I, you know, he, I think you're being kind of soft essentially and you need to go do it. And I then pushed back, which is a big growing, growing experience for me. I said, no, I've made a decision and I'm not going to make this change until I secure the next opportunity. So trust me when I say that I'm done. And then he was like, oh, wow. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of people my age haven't had to change their careers a lot. Right. But there's a lot of different opportunities and a lot of different things that people my age, Jack, 26 years old, can do. And as long as you do it well and do it the right way, that it, it's it's okay to make that change as long as you still have a sense of I need to commit to certain things. Correct. And I work with a lot of people that have had two to three jobs their first five years of their life. That's typical because right. people don't know what they're going to be really great at. They don't know what's out there that they could be really great at. And after having two or three jobs, a person can look back and say, wow, I really like this aspect of that job and I could throw this one out the window and then mm-hmm. the next job. Really like that one of the first job I had and I like that one of this one. Right. And if we can sit down with somebody and one of the things I love to do, it's not just for, the, the client isn't just interviewing a candidate. Right. That candidate needs to interview that client and that client needs to understand it needs to be a fit both ways. Sure. Sometimes they're just looking at a fit for them as a client and that doesn't always work. So one of the things we like to dig into and, and I'll ask this question almost in any in interview if you get five things in your next opportunity, which is your career, not right, a job, right. long term, and you only get five things, what are the five most important things you have to have to go in there and be smiling, happy, and successful every day? Today, tomorrow, and five years down the road. Right. And nobody thinks that way, but it's simplistic. Mm-hmm. You know, my five have never changed for me. I can reel them off like, I have to be around people all day. Right. I have to go 110 mile an hour. I want a good work-life balance for my family. I want to be paid for the value I bring a company, and I got to believe in what I do. Right. I learned that 20 years ago, and they don't change. It's who I am as a person. If somebody can figure that out and explain that, that this is what I need in a career, and it matches up to what that client needs as a candidate, the chances of that being a long-term career are very high. But well, it's, and, it's and, communication. and that concept itself, I mean, how many people do you think actually sit down and flesh out the top five things that they need out of their they career? They don't think that way. Or the top five things that they need out of a candidate. And then also, even further... What a great opportunity to transcend generations to be upfront about what you need. Yeah. And both sides. And, and those five things are different for everybody. Right. And it's simplistic, but it's who you are as a person. Everybody, when they are looking for a new career, thinks job title or industry. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the two most important things. Right. It's those five things. And you can find that in lots of different industries and lots of titles that you may mm-hmm. not know exist. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it's different all the time. And I think, even the new generations come up, their mindset's going to be different about their top five than they were for me or right. for the, what they are for you. Right. You know, maybe it's speed and maybe it's, maybe it's not that they have to get promoted 10 times in five years with the next generation. Maybe it's, I want to have a long-term career. I want to know my stepping stones. I want to know what it's going to take to be there. Right. So it's a more slow, methodical career, but they're going to have everything they want with stability at the end of it. Sure. So it's just different how each generation's changed. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you and see what your your thoughts were is the idea of having, you know, within your first five years of your career, having two or three or four different jobs, right? And how that that has historically been looked at as lack of commitment or, you know, wishy-washy, back and forth kind of 
but I, I think that, and I don't know if that this is, you know, with the emergence of technology or with, you know, there, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of jobs out there using the word job for a lot of different companies that seem like they're a different job, but end up being a very similar role. And I feel like we get sold a bill of goods sometime to jump on board and be a, I mean, I don't want to call part of a call center, which is mm-hmm. fine if that works for you. But, you know, that's cert- I've certainly seen that. I mean, does that potentially seem like part of the reason why people go through two, three, four jobs now? Yeah. And again, I don't think... Or that, they've gotten better at marketing those jobs and selling well, them. I think two things. I think, yes. So the term marketing in some companies is the same as the salesperson. It's the same as business development. Sure. And true marketing in some companies is actually getting your brand out there right. and doing all those things. Marketing, so right. I think a candidate needs to do their due diligence and ask enough questions and call mm-hmm. people who worked there before. So a lot of it's on the candidate, but a lot of it is on the client where they're mis-selling it. Right. You know, and, and not digging into the right things and tell, being open and honest. And again, business development or marketing or whatever you want to call it, sales it takes a unique human that can do that. Right. And a lot of people think they can, but it's it's a unique personality and somebody that loves to do it in the pay structure. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's probably 5% of the people out there. Right. So to your point, it's it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. But candidates need to be informed. I, I wish they had a class in college that really taught you how to go out and do a job search. Sure. Here's what you need to ask. Here's how you need to portray yourself. Here's how to figure out your five things to portray yourself. Right. They don't do it. it. It really, I mean, yes, they think they probably do some of that in college, but I don't think they truly do it right. to help a candidate. Well, it's, we don't need to get down the path of harping on universities. No, yeah, but they I do heard. some great things. Well, I, mean. I know, but I'm saying I've been on that path lately because, you know, I've got a personal connection to someone that's in grad school. So, you know, of course, I'm a little on edge about it. But anyways, I think that you're right. I think that a lot of it is this. You know, here's what it what it means to go out into the workplace and search for a career coming from people that have been professors for who knows how long, not the Chris Bouchards of the world coming in to explain to them what really works, mm-hmm. you know, and what what are ways that they can find the right company, right? Which that's why I mean on a completely different topic, that's a couple of my favorite classes that I had in school. I had a sales class yep. and I had a business law class. The sales class was a guy that worked for Nike and was a salesman. The business law class was a guy that was an attorney, right? And, and you know, did corporate law, right. turned into a professor. None of them were professors by trade. Right. They came in and did that. And they taught these classes at different hours because they had other jobs. It was the most I ever learned from anyone. And I learned it from people of different generations, to yeah. back. And, and real experiences. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Well, hey, are there any... Any tips? I mean, we talked about really just being genuine and, and understanding people on a personal level. But when it comes to the idea of generational differences, it would probably be advantageous to at least do a little bit of research on what the different generations are. Yeah. Maybe and figure out what their values are. Back to your five things, right? I mean, anything else you can think of? No, and it. it, it you got to be hungry to learn it and go back and do that research, which is out there. You can look up all the different generations, the Gen Zs, the millennials, the baby boomers. And it makes sense when you understand what they live through and why they are the way they are. Right. Again, general, big term. Mm -hmm. But then I think the other key is, like for myself being a seasoned individual and even somebody new coming in, everybody being open-minded. Right. And still sitting down and having a conversation right. to learn who you are as a person, 
mm-hmm. and how to work with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, what motivates one person deflates another. Mm-hmm. So you can't treat everybody the same. And that's something I've had to learn. And the good news for me is I got a lot to learn. I've never learned everything in life and I've got a pretty empty head. So you haven't learned at all. No, I haven't learned anything yet. <laughs> but if you keep that mindset where you're continually learning and you got to change right. with the times and change with the people, but it takes everybody to do that to make it really work. Right. Well, and even just take an example of communication, right? So we've got Microsoft Teams that I've been doing the Teams training for the last yep. you know few weeks or so for Lots Tech. And there are a ton of efficiencies to be gained by utilizing teams the right way you yep. know using its chat function knowing when people are available when they're not utilizing the phone and you know the video and audio calling the tools are endless and so being willing to help others that are maybe seasoned and and like to communicate differently understand the efficiencies they can gain from doing that is beneficial but also learning from individuals that have been maybe communicating by phone or email their entire career, maybe understand from them why they value that way of communicating a little bit too. Yeah. And again, old school me, I still think a face-to-face is the best. And my mm-hmm. sons will convince me that, Dad, I get the same thing done in a three-second chat. And yeah. kudos to them if they can. Right. But again, it's a difference and you got to, you know, I'm technology savvy. I'm not. And I love learning from the, the people that are. And I think they probably feel good about training me on something this old dog can still learn. Right. So, I mean. Steve it, Kenny said that to me the other day. He goes, ah, just trying to, trying to you know, teach this old dog new tricks. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, well, that's all we can ask for. Yeah. And, and, but, again, open-minded people will do that. Right. You're learning from each other. And that right. person that's training you, hey, he can learn as much from me as I can learn from him. Yeah. And I think that's part of success in communication, too. Just awesome. having that open mind. Well, thanks. I think that, you know, this is always fun to get a chance to sit down and talk and, and we'll have plenty more topics for us to sit down yep. and discuss. So thanks for doing this. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening and don't forget to make light.